0: If I can't figure out how to get wealthy and secure my future and the future of my work family, if I can't figure out how to do that in six fucking hours a day, I'm not as smart as i like to think I am. Our business grew 100X in revenue last year. We focus on the concept of minimalism. We don't open until 11 o'clock in the morning and we close at five in the afternoon. Where you find true potential is when your team and you are present and patient and kind and loving and delightful to your customers. Doers, contributors, creators cannot help to do anything but contribute. That's just what they do. The non-functioning thought is clogging up all the channels that you need to receive the glorious abundance that you deserve. Meditation is the greatest biohack of all time in in history. It typically takes two or three months, in in my experience, with a daily meditation practice for, uh, for me to see real, real results.
1: You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, keep it right here listening to the OPP or visit naturalstacks.com. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy is out there trying to make the world better for all of us.
0: The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to
1: guy. Ryan Muncy is the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy an innovator. All right, guys, welcome back to the OPP. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've got a really, really cool episode for you today. Uh, I got to go uh, last week to California, hung out in the Bay Area with a couple of really cool people. Uh, this particular episode is with Todd White uh, of Dry Farm Wines. Todd has been on the show previously. We talked about the wines um, that episode will be linked in the show notes. If you haven't heard it, scroll back through your uh, podcast directories and find it, listen to it, or go to naturalstacks.com, the blog post for this, and you'll be able to see that episode, listen to it. Uh, But on that episode, we talk about what makes the Dry Farm wines so healthy and so special. Uh, The quick version of that is that they are sugar-free, they're keto-friendly, they are extremely uh, pure and clean. They're lab tested. Uh, basically, Dry Farm Wines is the only health, um, healthy wine, health-conscious wine club. Um, so all that information is on those previous podcasts. Uh, while you're on the Natural Stacks blog post for this podcast, you'll be able to get links to the books that we talk about. You'll have a link to the special offer that Todd presents for just for you listeners at the end. Uh, I think we talked for about 37 or 38 minutes before we even mention the fact that Dry Farm Wines is a wine club and, and that they make wines. Um, but there is a really special offer for you guys at the end. It's a penny for your first bottle of wine. And all you have to do is go to dryfarmwines.com slash naturalstacks. Um, but the reason it took us so long to even bring up wine on this episode is, A, like I just said, we talked about wine on the on Todd's previous appearance. Uh, but B, we really wanted to focus on what Todd and the Dry Farm Wines family have incorporated into their daily practice and into their business culture. Uh We talk a lot about inviting abundance into your life and and how they've built it into their business. Todd calls it the peace and profit manifesto. We're talking conscious abundance. um, And I got to experience how they incorporate this into their daily routine at Dry Farm Wines. Um, Some really fascinating stuff. I'm incredibly grateful for the entire team at Dry Farm Wines to be able to participate in this. Um, It's easy to see why this practice is so is responsible for the extraordinary culture that they have, um, but also the incredible success that they're having as a company. Uh, you'll hear Todd mention that in 2016, Dry Farm Wines grew uh, 100%, uh, and in 2017, they're growing 20% per month. But they're only working six hours a day. They are only open for business from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. They don't do work emails outside that window. They don't do work emails on the weekend. Uh, They meet at 10 a.m. every day and they start this practice. And like I said, I got to participate in it. We're going to talk about it. So enjoy, Todd. This is a beautiful podcast and I'm sure you're going to love it. As you hear uh, Todd talk about these things uh, If anybody pops into your head, please share this episode of the OPP uh, with your friends, with your family, with your followers on social media. Uh, Get this message out there. More people need to hear this and more people need to be practicing this in their daily life. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Todd, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us.
0: Oh man, I'm super excited to be back. Uh, I love every moment we spend together. I'm super happy to have you in California. I'm super grateful we just finished a walk in a 1,000 acres of vineyard and uh, amazing dose of nature.
1: It's been an amazing morning already. Uh, I got to participate in your morning ritual that you guys do at Dry Farm Wines. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit. We walked through the vineyards, like you said. You showed me some of the most prized grapes and, and grape plants, vines in the entire US. Uh it's been great already. So we talked a lot about abundance and love and the power of vibrating at a really high level. Uh these are themes that are going to come back as we talk about uh what you guys are doing at Dry Farm and the message that you will be spreading uh very soon. Um and, and we're happy to be maybe the first place that you've shared it. So um, before we get into all that, I want to start with, you know, we, we made the joke, um, you know, you, you found it at 50. Um, I may have found it at 28 or 30. Um, and, and we, you said, you know, imagine finding it at 22 or 23. What was the moment for you? What was the turning point for you at 50 or, or whatever the exact age was where you realized what I've been doing isn't working. I need to make a change.
0: Well, I mean, I, I had had a very successful a very successful financial history employing the techniques that I later came to learn were what we call the law of creation and so I was already practicing we're all practicing the law of creation the question is whether or not our creations are intentional and deliberate and our intentions are, are founded in an understanding of the vibrations and the frequencies that surround us in the universe all the time. And so we're always creating. So that being said, you know, early in my business career I had um, taken, I'd done all the usual suspects for self-help, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy. Um, I had read um, all, just tons and tons of, you know, uh, Napoleon Hill's work. so, so I had followed, I'd, I had already was on to the concept that we become what we think about. I was, I had practiced that not as intentionally as I've come to learn the practice now, but I was already practicing it. As I said, we're all practicing creation, whether it's intentional, whether it's at a high frequency or a low frequency, mm-hmm. we're all practicing all the time. But I had used it intermittently, not really understanding the power of the practice in the law of creation my entire life. But fortunately, since I had read some of these books and followed some of these leaders who <clears throat> were on a higher frequency, I uh, I had used it not quite knowingly, but I had used it to create quite a bit of success. And uh, But I didn't use it throughout my entire practice of my life. It was really targeted and focused at financial achievement. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in our country, and what has become now a global problem, we associate the word success with financial achievement. And they're two very, very different things. And so most people who have financial achievement are not successful in my view. They have been able to collect money. Collecting money and being a financial, having financial acumen Uh, doesn't make you a great person, right? right? right. And so, unfortunately, that's the barometer of which we've attached success to, is whether or not you can make money. Uh, Oftentimes, people who make money are are quite wicked and miserable, right? So, um, but anyway, I I had been pretty successful and founded eight companies. I've been self-employed since I was 17. And uh, in my early 50s, I faced the first and really only disastrous business failure of my life. Of course, you know, we fail all the time as we innovate and try things, we're always failing. But I I had a deep, deep disastrous failure where I lost a bunch of money, Um, lost money on behalf of friends of mine um, in a situation that I felt I shouldn't have allowed to happen. But as it turns out, I created it uh, through the law of creation. Uh, I was pursuing a business in the wrong place with the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And that all manifested itself in one grand disastrous failure. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. It was also the most difficult thing that's ever happened to me in my adult life because I really took it personally. I really embraced and felt a deep sense of shame and personal failure. To feel guilty is one thing for having done something to feel shame is to be something, right? Mm -hmm. So I was just in a deep, dark, deep, dark place for many, many months, just paralyzed in darkness. It was from that darkness that I discovered meditation.
1: I was gonna say, I mean, anybody who knows you today knows a completely opposite man. You're filled with love and light. I mean, what was, how did you turn that around? Well,
0: I am light now, but it was a very dark time. I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast. He was interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger who talked about the power of meditation. I have followed Tim Ferriss's work for some time and he has talked about meditation for some time. I had tried to meditate before uh, unsuccessfully for the same reason that most people stop doing it. It's because they can't stop thinking. Um, Or the other most commonly used reason is I don't have time. And, and what I would tell you is the person who says they don't have time to meditate needs meditation the most.
1: Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: but anyway, I, I was in such a desperate, dark place that I was willing to try anything to get well. And I was, I was not working. Um, I was just basically reading and uh, spending time in nature trying to heal from this grief and sense of shame. So I began a meditation practice at that time twice a day. I had immediate benefits from meditation, primarily, I think, because I was in such a dark place. Um, I continued twice a day meditation for probably uh, several months, three or four months. I now only meditate in the morning most days. Um, But that meditation practice began my awakening and uh, my uh, journey toward uh,
1: enlightenment. So you mentioned trying meditation before and it didn't work. What made it different that time or at that time in your life?
0: Well, because I was in such a dark and desperate place and it did bring me immediate relief from that desperation. I felt immediate healing day one. Now, in our practices and I meditate with a lot of young people now who work with us and we were talking about this on our walk, mm-hmm. we, it typically takes two or three months in, in my experience with a daily meditation practice for, uh, for me to see real, real results in these young people who have joined our team and started our daily practices. Um, and so I think, it's, I think it's really two or three months before you begin to... I'm talking about a daily 20 to 30-minute practice every day. So it's
1: one of those things, if people are going to commit to it, they really have to commit to it. I'm going to do it daily. I'm going to do 20 or 30 minutes and I'm going to do it for two or three months, regardless of what I do or don't experience after a week. Uh, on our walk, you mentioned how amazing it is to see the transformation for, for young folks at 22, 23. What are some of the things that, that you see, maybe not on a, like an individual personal basis, but just in terms of energy change and uh, expression of who they are?
0: i think I think it's most notable in that you see um, you see a, a, a you see the vulnerability window rise right so they become much more vulnerable they become much more authentic to their true self right we talked about this on our walk as well so you know at what point do you discover at what point do you stop believing in the narrative that you need to be what people think you should be, right, mm-hmm. and you start just being you mm-hmm. right and, and being you finding your true self and having the courage to be you right is, is a huge step forward and so these practices of where they're making themselves vulnerable and that we talk about concepts like love and non-judgment and unconditional love and surrender right when you when you reach a place through a practice of really quieting the mind down. So what meditation does is it, it trains your mind to slow down and to be quiet away from incessant thinking or what I call the trauma of thought.
1: And most of that is negative.
0: Well, we're, most of us spend, you know, neuroscientists speculate that we have around 65,000 thoughts a day. The, the problem is that about 95% of them are the same thoughts we had yesterday. Right, and so <clears throat> most of these thoughts—the trauma of thinking—most of it is we're reliving our regrets from the past, or we're thinking about our anxieties of the future. Mm-hmm. Right. Very little of our actual time is spent in functional thought, as I would call
1: it—critical
0: right. thought, yeah. where we're solving problems or we're creating something. Right. It's a good word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of it is non-functioning thought. Mm-hmm. That non-functioning thought is clogging up all the channels that you need to receive the glorious abundance that you deserve. Because we're just putting out, so we blocked all of our channels to receive and we're projecting these low-level frequencies into the universe, caught up in the moment where we're allowing words and thoughts to become the form the form or the emotion, the emotion becomes the vibration or the frequency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, words, when I say take form with a word, let me use an example. I used one this morning, but I quickly corrected myself. Mm-hmm. But let me use an example. Um, you're having a conversation with someone, and you say, I'm going to be disappointed if, mm-hmm. right? Well, by programming that frequency, a low level frequency like disappointment, right? Which is a negative emotion. Mm-hmm. By using that phrase, that phrase is going to take form, right? And when you take the form of being disappointed, your frequency is going to is going to go down. So even so, I don't use or when I do use. You asked me about a vendor this morning who we share in common. I'd love to put them out there on this podcast, but uh, but I'm gonna take a higher frequency than that. Uh, you asked me about a vendor, and I described to you that i used the phrase i said we're super unhappy with them and then i stopped and i said no because i don't possess the emotion of happiness or unhappiness so let me rephrase this right so i want to back that up because the only the only emotion that i want to vibrate is love gratefulness and being present in the moment Right. I don't want to. I don't want to project a low level of frequency into the universe, because I also not only do I believe in the law of creation, but I also believe in the law of attraction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, like energy, like fields of frequency, reflect back and collect
1: the same frequency. One hundred percent. We should have just been miked up on our walk this morning. Yeah. Uh, but you talked about. Uh, or, or we discussed on our walk, you know, how when you are surrounded by love or when you are feeling gratitude, uh, gratefulness, it's, it's impossible to experience fear or doubt. Explain that yeah. a little bit. So
0: it's, it's quite common sense. It's what we call the law of light. And the law of light works like this. Darkness in the presence of light cannot survive. So when you bring light to darkness, darkness cannot exist. The same thing is true of fear. When we bring love to an environment of fear, fear can no longer exist in the presence of true felt love. The same thing with anxiety and gratitude, or gratitude and fear. Anxiety is just fear vibrating. Right? So anxiety is a frequency or an emotion. Emotions are created when we have a thought that's fear-based. right? Uh, well, emotions are created from, from any thought. But, right. but in this case, if we have a fear-based thought, the expression or the... The, the, ex- the, the
1: experience of that feeling is the emotion.
0: Is the emotion. Right. That's the vibration. That's anxiety. Well, in the presence of gratefulness, anxiety cannot exist. And we used an exercise this morning or talked about this, if I'm feeling, and we all suffer self-doubt, we all have fear-based feelings, no matter how well-trained we are, we all experience them. The question is, how do we react to them, like correcting my word and form on unhappiness, or, or how do we correct the, the, the form? And so if I'm feeling self-doubt, um, which we all do, or I'm feeling some fear-based anxiety of the future, which I will tell you is quite rare, but I have a practice that I employ probably 40 or 50 times a day where during that moment I will look at something beautiful, could be anything, a piece of art. For me, it's normally some kind of nature. And I'll just focus on the beauty of that object and how grateful I am to experience that beauty in this moment. Right, And that immersion in gratefulness will will quickly create what I call a pattern interrupt, right? So the pattern interrupt, the disruption to that pattern of thought is to invite gratefulness into your life or to think of how much you are loved or how much you love someone else. These are pattern interrupts. So when we bring gratefulness, appreciation, love, when we bring that into our thought and feel it in our heart and that vibration, right, we have to believe in it. You know, I I love the proverb that we must first be before we can do. And before we can do, and to the extent to which we can do, depends entirely as to what we are. And what we are is determined completely by what we think, believe, create, and vibrate. And so we must first be. This is the power of meditation. You know, we must first be. But when we, <clears throat> when we immerse, the reason I mentioned that, that, that thought was that it's not enough to just think about beauty. You must immerse yourself in the gratitude. You must feel the vibration.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So to think is not enough. We often hear the phrase, as a man thinks, so he becomes. And there's some truth to that. But as a man becomes is really what he believes and what he vibrates and what he creates in those vibrations. That's what he becomes. It starts with thought. But that doesn't complete the circle of getting there.
1: That's all so beautiful. And it's it's such a perfect segue into how you guys are implementing conscious abundance into what you do at Dry farm wines talk about how instead of focusing on what you're creating you're focusing on who the people are in your team and how that has translated into enormous success and how that sort of flies in the face of you know the, the typical silicon valley even across the spectrum entrepreneurs Uh, you know grind 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 hustle hustle hustle
0: Yeah, we so to give some context to to that success and I've grown a number of successful businesses none of them anything like this Uh, and I attribute and contribute nearly a hundred percent of our success to our uh, conscious abundance practices and we'll talk about those but to give some context our business grew 100X in revenue last year. Uh, it's a real business, it's profitable. It was profitable from day one. Um, and and just yesterday when you arrived, I'm glad you came to town, just yesterday we set an all time one day uh, new revenue record. Um, so uh, thanks for coming. Oh, my pleasure. I, I, I hope you'll come back again. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, we, we, we do not strive We constantly talk about this. First of all, we don't open until 11 o'clock in the morning. And we close at 5 in the afternoon.
1: So you're only open six hours a day. Monday through Friday. No work email outside that window. No work email on the weekends.
0: No voicemails.
1: No. Still amazing growth. Growth that any business would kill for.
0: um, We don't focus on... we, we, We focus on the concept of minimalism. Uh, No group emails, no after-hours emails, no weekend emails, no voicemails. I don't respond to emails with a thank you or a good job. Everybody knows that I love them and know that they do a good job. So we're trying to minimize and create an environment of peace so that profit can expand. Profit will expand in the presence of peace. What, What constricts profit is this striving and this overworking and and believing that to work harder longer hours is going to create more prosperity and that certainly there are examples where that happens but those are and i have been in, i have led uh, those environments <coughs> they never reach their to, true potential because they're only supported by this by this desperate striving right and so which is very unhealthy and so it, it, they never reach their true potential, right? Where you find true potential is when your team and you are present and patient and kind and loving and delightful to your customers. So our goal is to surprise and delight our customers. That's, that's what we do. That's our primary focus from a business perspective is to delight and surprise with each other, we want to express gratitude and love. And in the presence of love, fear cannot exist. In the presence of love, non-working is not an issue. When everyone loves each other, they want to work, do their very best work. The other thing we, 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 I thought about some time ago, if I can't figure out how to get wealthy and secure my future and the future of my work family, because their future, their future financial independence is—I have a moral responsibility for that. Right. If I can't figure out how to do that in six fucking hours a day, I'm not as smart as I like to think I am. Right. right. So I mean, it's like, how many hours do you have to work at this? Making money is relatively easy, right? You just have to let it work for you. What most of us are doing, what I did my entire career, and I spoke to you earlier about this, what I did my entire career was I let expectation, my expectations of others, stand in the way of true peace, presence, and prosperity. And so when, when you, and we, most of us do this in business, You know, where we have these expectations that other people are going to carry the water, expectations that they're going to do X, Y, and Z, expectations they're going to sell this account, disappointment when they don't do this, expectations of more. When we step back and through the practice of meditation, we learn to be present in our energy. When we replace expectation with appreciation and love and gratitude, that's when we clear the channels for true abundance to find us and that abundance in our case uh because it's it's an objective uh, that abundance has also been financial it's not the greatest abundance that we have created um it's it's a it's a side effect it's like i like to say about the ketogenic diet weight loss is a side effect it's not the reason i'm ketogenic right. uh it's a side effect
1: right, right.
0: and right. so so, financial success, if that's a goal, is a side effect of presence and peace.
1: When when you take the right actions and you focus on you know doing the right thing day in and day out, those outcomes are almost inevitable.
0: Well, it's the frequency and the vibration that you're putting into the universe through the law of creation and the law of attraction. So you're creating the thoughts to create an outcome. Everything out. Without comes from within, and so you're you're creating those thoughts, those deliberate thoughts, visualizations, affirmations. Our favorites are: I am light, I am love, I am heart. I know this sounds incredibly crazy to many of your business listeners out there who are just striving to survive, and I I, I would have never believed it in my Prior unawakened life, my unconscious life, I would have never believed it either. And I have preached the, um, I have preached phrases like "the harder you work, the luckier you'll get" for my entire career. I can tell you, at least in my experience, since awakening, this is just not true.
1: Well, it's a good point to sort of bring up maybe the the naysayers or, or some potential objections. But before we do that. I, I want to say two things one some book recommendations so last night as we were discussing this I mentioned to you the book silent power Uh, I believe it's Stuart Wilde. I will put the link to that book in the show notes for you guys Um, and another book I know I've talked about this one on the show before power versus force that's David Hawkins and he actually has an amazing chart on page 90 of that book that lists out uh, all of the words and the numbers associated with vibrations and Uh, It's just a really fascinating read. And and once you become aware of these things, it's really, really hard to live um, not being aware of that. Um, So, Todd, let's come back and, you know, you said some of what you're describing may sound woo-woo or hard to believe for people who are out there striving. In the book, Silent Power, he talks about, you know, not to strive, not to lean on something. Uh, and I think the analogy that I used with you to try to explain it very rudimentary, but if you think about in middle school or high school, if you're a guy and you make it overtly known to a girl that you're interested in her, that you want her, you need her, uh, she becomes impossible to attain. Um, maybe not the best example, but I think that's one that most people can relate to. Um, I experienced what you guys practiced every morning today. And I got to sit in the circle and experience the meditation, uh, the love that your entire team has for each other, but also the gratitude for their lives, every aspect of their lives and the opportunity to get to come to work at such an amazing company. One of the things that, that was a realization to me, uh, one of you, if you want to talk about this, you can describe the ceremony in full, but there's a part where we're holding hands and you're sending love to a person. And admittedly, it was easier for me to send love to you and Mark because I know you guys I've spent time with you. I know you, um, the rest of the group, I just met this morning and I had this realization that, you know, to know is to be able to love you. You cannot, I could not send as much love to the people I didn't know as the people that I did. So, you know, just, I can't imagine going to work in a company like that. And for you guys listening, this is not to throw natural stacks under the bus. We're a virtual company. It's not something that we could do uh, in a circle like that, but we could start our day on Slack that way. Um, You know, for you guys listening, I'm just trying to give you examples of how you can implement this into what you do, but it's incredibly powerful. And I can't imagine working in a community like that, where you neither want to let down your, your team but you're also, you've, you've started your day in a way that is not rolling out of bed, checking email and responding to fires, but you're starting it in a, a place of love and, and non-judgment and light and energy. And then when you take that to what it is that your purpose is for the day, you can't help but make people's day better.
0: Yeah, and when we, you know, the, the powerful thing about the, the love energy practice um, <clears throat> I mean, when it came to you, you felt that energy. I did. You can feel it.
1: I did. You get
0: chills. You can feel it at your
1: core. I will will be completely honest. I will say that my arms were were sort of bent almost the way like if you're sitting around uh, a table you know, in prayer before a meal. But I could literally – my biceps felt electric. Like I literally – I just wanted to absorb it and like curl and I felt like I could have just lifted the world.
0: Right. So this practice is – so we have a – Daily rituals. Um, We begin every single day, no matter where we are with these rituals, Uh, no matter who's present. We had four or five folks who were not present for our rituals this morning uh, because they were uh, traveling uh, and it's the holiday. But we begin every morning with quiet, concentrated meditation. Uh, That's followed by five to ten minutes of what we call just quiet gratefulness thought, things that we're just grateful for in our lives, quietly. Um, the, um, that's followed by, this morning we have a number, we have a whole bunch of different practices, but the one we followed this morning was where the group joins hands, as we frequently do in circles when we travel or uh, when we are together. Uh, we join hands, and, um, and someone leads, in this case it wasn't me, it was, a, it, was a, it was another person, leads the channeling of power, love, and strength into each person. So what happens is the leader who's leading projects love and names a person's name in the circle and everyone else in the circle projects love and goodwill and power onto that person when they're named. And then it goes around the circle and each person is named to receive the love from the others. Well, when you're named and the energy is directed to you, you can feel this massive, massive jolt of love energy. And just I get sort of I get sort of chills and tingles in my, you know, in my core just throughout my body, Mm -hmm. you know, just vibrations. Right. And it's it happens every single time. It's not coincidental, right? I don't get the same feeling when other people's names are called. I'm just focused on projecting love to them. Then finally, the way we wrap up these sessions, and these sessions typically last thirty minutes to an hour. So we our daily schedule is: while we don't open for business until eleven, we meet at ten o'clock in the morning. So prior to ten, everyone is practicing their individual rituals. So we all belong to the same gym, which happens to be next door to our office, and um, so uh, and the company pays for everybody's gym membership. And everybody at, that works, everybody that we work with, is kind of ripped out. And
1: you guys and, are incredibly uh, picky about who joins this. Community. We are. I'm going
0: to tell you about that in just a second. Okay. So, but I wanted to, so after, and this, so finally, the way we wrap up this practice daily is, um, which goes on between 10 and 11 o'clock in the morning is what we call gratefulness therapy and that's where everyone just individually while we're still in a meditative state all this is occurring usually in our conference room this morning it was in, out in nature sometimes we go to nature but it's usually in our conference room lights are out candles are burning um, and <clears throat> this gratefulness therapy i think is the single most important practice next to meditation which is we go around the circle and we each person talks for 1 to 3 minutes about what they're grateful for in this moment right and that's always something different every day mm-hmm. there's sometimes common themes but this outward expression with your peers you know this outward expression is very it's very powerful you know and 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 it lowers it really creates a window of vulnerability mm-hmm. right because you're in a flow state it's it's kind of you're just rapping it's not it's not something that's planned. Nobody thinks about what they're gonna say. They just riff whatever they're feeling grateful for. But uh, to address your employment question real quickly, because we do have a really incredible, um, we, we have an incredible interview process. Our interview is, uh, is four days, and uh, it involves a number of these rituals and meditations together. Uh, it, involves, um, um, it involves cooking a meal together and shopping together. It might be the single most important part of the interview.
1: You've told me why, but I I wanna know why. Tell our listeners.
0: Well, it starts with a trip to the market, right? And it's me and the candidate, just the two of us in the market. And I'm gonna set up scenarios in the market to see how the candidate responds, right? I, I might, if I have a cup of coffee, I might leave it sitting somewhere. I'm gonna see this candidate, notice and get it. Uh, I may drop something on the floor. I want to see if the candidate reaches down to pick it up. My most famous test in the market is at the olive counter, where I get out small containers and start putting olives in them or other uh, artichokes or, or whatever. I intentionally set them on the edge right in front of the candidate and I leave the lid off. Every great candidate will immediately get a lid and put it on the olive, right? Now here's why. Doers, contributors creators cannot help to do anything but contribute. That's just what they do. They're looking, they have a third sense of looking for an opportunity to contribute, to create, to be of service. I wanna work with people who want to be of service. And I don't have time right now at this point in my career, I don't have time to teach that. It's learnable, but for most people, they learned it in their childhood, probably from a grandparent or another influential figure. They're just doers. They're people who like to create. So from there, we then cook a meal um, in my kitchen for, for 15 of us. Uh, sometimes there'll be two or three of us working. Oftentimes it's just me. And um, I have the great fortune of working with most amazing cooks. Almost everybody on our team is amazing cook. Uh, we're in the taste-making business, and fortunately, we're all, we're all super into food and great cooks. But oftentimes, it's just me and the candidate. And in the kitchen, what I'm looking for, I don't care whether the candidate can cook or not. What I'm looking for is, are they self-starters? In the kitchen, there's 100 things going on at the same time, particularly during prep, right? And it's like, how are they contributing? How, do they ma- how clean do they maintain their workstation, uh, when, we do res- re- when we do resets in the kitchen, which is when everything gets cleaned off again and you start again during the cooking process, this can happen two or three times during the prep and execution phase, because when you execute a meal for 15 or 40 people, everything's got to be set in advance, mm-hmm. and then you're just going to go through this kind of rhythmic execution or the cooking or the dressing or the whatever. But, but the candidate, there's just 100 opportunities to see their attention to detail how engaged they are, how deliberate they are, how much action, how much strength and power they put into a task. I can tell everything from, from the market and the cooking as to what kind of contributor there'll be. And many people have either been hired solely from that, in other words, they didn't interview as well, right? But they were so strong in performance. Because And then the opposite has also occurred. Where somebody interviews so well, you're just like, wow, this is a slam dunk. And then they just can't execute with energy, right? They're just great interviews. Right. Those people don't get hired. If you fail the energy test, if you fail the kitchen test, you're done.
1: And to be clear, the, the shopping and the food is, that's not the extent of the interview process. You guys have a whole lot more filtering and screening before they even get to that point. <laughs>
0: Before they get invited to come here, most people relocate because we don't hire locally. We meet most people through the biohacking circuit. Somebody knows somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or people are delivered to us quite often just by the power of the universe. People are connected to us through our frequencies. Because when when we have open positions, we're also putting those frequencies we're visualizing and affirming that during our morning rituals. Of, and, and you
1: guys are out there. I mean, you're at conferences every weekend. Uh, you're you're working with uh, big big name companies. I mean, some of your guys were at Google last night. I mean, if you have a vacancy, it's known and known by people who can help fill yeah,
0: it. Yeah, we'll oftentimes put a we're hiring sign up at our where wherever we're at, and we're at over a hundred events a year now, and we're the official wine for virtually every health conference you know, on the planet from Ancestral Health to Paleo FX to Bulletproof. um, The list is quite long. Joe Polish, Peter Diamandis A360, Joe Polish's Genius Network. I mean, this is huge. J.J. Virgin's Mindshare Summit. Um, this is huge. we're the official wine for everybody because we are the only health quantified wine merchant in the world. We haven't even mentioned. We haven't wine. even. Yeah, I, know, I know this <laughs> is kind of crazy, but <laughs> well, where are we on?
1: How, we we got we? about uh, 10, 15 minutes okay. left, so right. let's we'll save a little bit for wine. But I do want to mention one thing: the sort of the unspoken caveat to uh, your your practices with the company, and this is something that we mentioned before we hit record uh, that it only works if everyone is a rock star. I, and, and
0: and the hire, we consider, I'm going to touch and just finish up on the hiring process quickly because I think this is really important for people who are who are in business. We 100% hands down believe that hiring and the assessment of a new hire is the single most important thing we do with the company.
1: Mm-hmm. Single most important thing. I would agree completely. I mean, if you look at in your life, How you spend your time and who you spend your time with are are the things that probably mean the most when you are being completely honest with yourself. And in business, I mean, the people that are on your team really make or break it.
0: Well, we are a family. We love each other. We travel together constantly. We spend time. We dine together two or three nights a week. We cook together three or four times a month. Uh, we genuinely love. We would rather hang out with each other than virtually anybody else, right? So, so it's 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 quite natural. This hiring thing. If you have to terminate an employee or an employee leaves, we don't have employees. All of our we also don't have titles. We all have the same title, which is partner and health evangelist. That's everyone's title. Everyone is a partner everybody should behave behave if they're president. there isn't a president because everybody should be president
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: right if you're not acting like the president then you're not acting like a partner right so so we don't believe in a hierarchy and and uh, I' also give you another this is a crazy this is going to also we all make exactly the same amount of money
1: Wow, i didn't know that
0: so no. anyway this 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 we have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of um, what some people would think are crazy rituals that produce this phenomenally successful business. But in the hiring process, I really want to finish this up because this is really important. When, when we do a job posting, we have a document there that explains all of our practices, tells you what our culture is like, that we talk a lot about love, and we talk about the universe, and vibrations, and frequencies, and we talk about the power of the connected universal mind, We talk about soul, we talk about loving each other. If you're uncomfortable with any of this, this is not the place for you and many of you may be uncomfortable, that's okay. But then there's a 15-question questionnaire um, that the candidate has to complete prior to, we won't even take their telephone call or consider them until they have completed the questionnaire. The 15-page questionnaire will result in 4 to 10 pages of replies to us. The questions are deep. Right. These are not they're, not...
1: they're not multiple choice.
0: They're not multiple choice, and they very few of them have anything to do with business. They are life questions. Right? Um, and so... The, the, our last candidate, who's flying in next weekend from Boulder, Colorado, who just submitted his questionnaire on Monday of this week, uh, replied with eight pages. Uh, he's a rock star. You even know him. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name naturally, but you know him. No,
1: I'm racking my brain. Who do I know that lives in Boulder? <laughs>
0: um, but he is a rock star candidate. We've known him for a couple of years. So, anyway, most people get eliminated by the questionnaire, right? Mm-hmm. So we we are experts at reading these questionnaires, right? And so we're going to make an investment because we're going to, have to fly the candidate here, put them in a hotel, we're going to, you know, pay all their expenses coming and going and keeping them here for 4 days while we go through this extensive interview process uh, where even during the interview I'll tell you most candidates even become emotional and cry. This the the, the interview goes deep, right? But we, want, we only want to work with people who can make themselves emotionally available right. and vulnerable, right? Because if you can't be emotionally available um, and you can't be vulnerable, then you're not going to fit into the love-rich environment that we want to promote and want you to be a part of.
1: And then just one, one final note on the rock stars, I mean you, you said you know, people are either rock stars or uh, how did you describe it? Uh, what was the other option? Uh, the rock stars have to carry the water for the people who don't, I think Well, I mean me the, to the the,
0: the, the the thing is, every, for most of us in every organization, and this is true certainly for every organization prior to these practices that I managed and developed and built as well, this was true. It's certainly true in corporate America. of the people are doing 80% of the work and half of the people are constantly covering for the other half, right? And those people know who each other are, right? Mm -hmm. I work with rock stars. Every single person I work with is a rock star. No one, everybody is contributing at the same level, which is why we all make the same amount of money.
1: And with 100% of your family or, or workforce operating at the incredibly high level they are and being as productive as they are, you're getting more done in a six-hour workday than most corporate Americans Well, we
0: also don't eat on. lunch. As you know, we're, we're, we're all, uh, I'm 24-hour intermittent fasting. Most of our guys are 18 to 24-hour intermittent fasting. So, you know, so we don't break for lunch. So we pick up an hour, hour and a half there. The, uh... <clears throat> So, yeah, I would also say this, and this is something we, we talk about as well and the importance of hiring. If you have to terminate an associate, in our case, we call each other family. We don't use the word employee, but let's just use the word employee for the basis of the way most places work. Because there are people who would definitely think that calling yourself a family is, is, is not a good thing and doesn't enhance productivity for us. It works perfectly that way. It may not work in a large organization. I don't know. Our objective is not to become super large. But but if you have to terminate an employee, one of two things happens. It's never the employee's fault, ever. There are only two things that could have happened uh, to that employee who you had to terminate or who quit. They're both the same. Termination, whether it's voluntary or involuntary. Either you did a poor job of assessing the candidate or you did a poor job of managing them once they got there. Those are the only two options which result in, uh, in, a, in an employee leaving voluntarily or involuntarily. Either you failed to assess or you failed to lead. Uh, no other option exists.
1: All right, let's talk about Dry Farm wine. Oh shit, the you wine guys, business! You guys actually have a product. Um this will be abbreviated, but if you have not heard Todd on the previous um episode, I don't remember what number that is, but I will put a link to it in the show notes for you guys. You can go back and listen. We talk at length about how the wines are tested. They're keto friendly, they're sugar-free, there's there's no toxins, there's no BS in them. Um and also if you're listening on SoundCloud or, or iTunes or Stitcher, just scroll back down through and and you'll find Todd, and that's an amazing episode. But Todd What's new with dry farm wines uh, what would you want to tell our listeners?
0: oh wow, uh, gosh, we're about to roll out our ketogenic product food product line, uh, so we're deep into the ketogenic world, super excited about that.
1: What can you tell uh, us about that well Is it too early
0: yeah it's too it's it's, it's coming soon it's okay. coming soon. we've got some proprietary products that are really exciting.
1: Now it will will it be under the same umbrella? We'll have a different I know it's brand under that?
0: it's uh, under our brand Ketowell. Okay. Ketowell.com. Okay. Uh, Dry Farm Wines, wow, as I said earlier in the podcast, phenomenal growth, biggest sales day in the history of the company just yesterday. Um, just um, amazing abundance, so much love for our customers, so much love from our customers. We liberate people, we Give them permission to drink again in a healthy way, and uh, how so?
1: Why? Why are your wine? I'll wines tell you different?
0: why. Because, <clears throat> well, for many, you, you go to our website, and we'll give you some links on that in a moment. But it describes all the attributes of our wine. But our wine does not cause headaches or hangovers or brain fog. It's also lower alcohol, so we're talking about a gentle a more gentle buzz, more creatively expressive, more cognitive connection. So there's a whole bunch of reasons about why these wines are very special, but we're the largest retailer of natural wines in the world. Natural wines are a very specific category of how wines are made. There are no wines made in the United States that meet our criteria, that meet our health and performance criteria. All of our wines are imported from small family natural farmers in Europe. Uh, they are all chemical, uh, chemical-free farming and chemical-free winemaking. It will surprise your audience to know, if they haven't heard my previous podcast, that there are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. The reason your, your listeners don't know that is because the wine industry has spent tens of millions of dollars in lobby money keeping contents and nutritional information off of wine bottles. So wine is the only major food group without a contents label on it. I would submit to you if it's what they will want you to believe that it is, which is fermented grape juice, which is not what it is. Uh, that's what our wines are. But if it were additive-free and clean, why would they object to having a contents label on it? It would just say fermented grapes. I agree. Yeah. But in fact, it would look like the rest of processed food, uh, and this includes almost every wine produced, it would look like most processed food and that it would have a bunch of chemical names on there and a bunch of additives that you had no idea what they are. Color agents and all kinds of chemicals, right? And so uh, c- color agents are commonly used um, because Americans believe that the darker a red wine is, the better quality it is. And there's no truth to that statement, but that's just a prevailing thought. Um, so anyway, the, the, they also believe that the more they pay for a wine, the better it is. There's also no truth to that. In fact, our wines are value price. Our wines average just $22 a bottle, which is an extraordinarily value-driven price for a handcrafted fine wine product. Right. So anyway, the, these all-natural wines are just completely grown in rich, biodiverse living soils, you know, chemical-free. In fact, Roundup, glyphosate is the number one used herbicides in in US vineyards. It's illegal in Europe. Which is another
1: reason to be grateful for your wines coming from Europe.
0: Well, they're they're, they're glyphosate free. And you may know a study came out last year showing wine present, uh, glyphosate present in American wines in three different appellations all in California, on both organic and non-organic farms. Our company, Dry Farm Wines, means that none of our vines are irrigated, and we could talk for twenty minutes on that topic. But how they believe glyphosate is getting in the in the wines on organic farms is through irrigation through the water table. Wow. Bad news for all of us.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's going to get into everything, not just wine.
0: That's right. And so, but but anyway, so we we're, again just to wrap the wine thing up, we're the only health quantified. We test wine for toxins, including. Uh, mycotoxins, ochratoxin A, um, sugar, our wines are sugar-free. Not all natural wines are sugar-free. We only consume sugar-free wines because we think sugar is the number one consumed toxin in America.
1: And the sugar-free has to do with the dry farm process, which keeps a lower sugar content in the grape and then through the fermentation process. And, allow,
0: and, and allowing, so you're, you're, you're able to pick at a lower sugar level, Right, And then as a winemaking style and method, allowing the wine to fully ferment. Mm-hmm. So here's how wine's made very quickly. You take grape juice, which is teeming with sugar, and you inoculate it with yeast. The yeast eats the sugar, and the byproduct of that process is ethyl alcohol and carbon dioxide. Now, what's commonly done in the United States, and particularly with commercial wines is that the winemaker uses sulfur dioxide to kill the yeast prior to its completing the fermentation, leaving behind what's known as RS or residual sugar. Americans have sweet palates, and so even though a wine doesn't taste sweet, it can still contain plenty of sugar. If the acid level is high enough, I, even I can't taste the sugar. We commonly reject wines that we can't taste sugar in that come back sugar positive from the lab, right? So. So just because it doesn't taste sweet doesn't mean it doesn't have sugar in it. The only way to know if it doesn't have sugar in it is to lab test it, as we do every single wine. So um, yeah, so the sugar thing is 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 a uh, is a very big deal to us because we're ketogenic and we're also sugar free. Mm-hmm. So we're the only health quant. This is a reason that we're the official wine for virtually every health conference now in the United States because we uh, we we're the only health quantified process. We're the only lab tested process and we're the only natural wine um, retailer who does lab testing so
1: so on your previous um, episode here on the opp we went into great detail on all that so if you guys listening didn't catch that episode and you want more information on that go back and listen to that episode like i said you can find it in the um, podcast directories i'll put a link to it on the show notes Um, While we're talking about the show notes, make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the video version of this, the blog post, links, resources. Um, As you guys listen to this, there has to have been something in here that resonated with you and that you want your friends and family to hear and know about. Share this with them. Help get this message out. And Todd, uh, I guess last question. You have previously answered top three tips to live optimal. So how about your top three tips to bring more abundance into your life?
0: Uh, Well, they're going to be kind of the same, but the number one tip uh, is uh, meditate. Begin your day with meditation. Um, I like to say concentrated meditation. We can find many activities that allow us to meditate. Uh, Running is a classic example. Fishing is a classic example. I love the proverb that the fisherman fishes his whole whole life without really ever knowing why he fishes. Right? And so meditation is the greatest biohack of all time in in history. Um, A couple of other tips. One, uh, make your bed as soon as you get out of it in the morning. And the reason I think this bed making is so critical. And I'm not talking about just making your bed. I'm talking about making it with pride and, and beauty and creating something. It takes three to five minutes, right? But you're beginning your day with an early win. You're beginning your day with intention. You know, you're beginning your day with having created something. And it's just, it's just such a nice way to kind of start off your day. Um, and I, I guess number three is uh, whew, intermittent fasting. Uh, for me, I think fasting was one of the greatest breakthroughs, particularly when, when I went to 24-hour. I just eat once a day between 6 and 7 o'clock at night. I think intermittent fasting, even when I was on an 18-hour, uh, twice-a-day meal, 18-hour fast, uh, eating in a six-hour window. So that's typically eating lunch at uh, 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon and then dinner at, between six and seven. But when I went to a 24-hour intermittent fast daily, it was an enormous breakthrough. So I think fasting is is a tip I don't often talk a lot about, but I've seen phenomenal results in virtually everyone who's practiced it. And then wrapping up, I have an offer for your audience today. We will give them a penny bottle of wine. And uh, all they have to do is um, go to this web address. It's dryfarm.com wines with an S dot com forward slash natural stacks. Again, that's dryfarmwines.com forward slash natural stacks. And they will find a penny bottle of wine. And uh, I hope that they will enjoy the health benefits that we all enjoy from drinking copious amounts of this delicious wine. And in closing, I love you. I love having you here. Uh, I wanna project just deep love to everyone in your audience and have them be in a state of gratitude and love for this moment. And, uh, I'm super, super grateful that you had me on today and I look forward to your next visit.
1: As do I Todd. This has been amazing. Thank you for sharing your time, uh, for sharing your practices, your advice, your wisdom. For you guys listening, I hope you enjoyed this one. Um, take advantage of that penny dollar or penny bottle of wine offer. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Todd.
0: Thank you.